So as I mentioned earlier, Keith is uh, not here. He's coming back from Louisiana. And Keith had been going through the book of Philippians. Now, we're not going to go through Philippians today. Uh, We're going to take a break from that book. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a topic that a lot of people in our church struggle with. Um, A lot of people, not just in our church, but throughout the world, struggle with. And it's a topic of mental illness. At different times in um, the life of our church, what we do is, is we focus on a particular issue that is important in the world. And we say, we want to spend time as a church looking at this issue and how we respond. So you may remember uh, on Right to Life Sunday, we looked at what's a Christian response to abortion. When persecution uh, was something that we were talking about quite a lot in the news, and we still are, we looked at how should the church respond to Christian persecution. A couple years ago, we spent some time saying, how are we as Christians supposed to respond to human trafficking? We want to be a church that's fully committed to Scripture, but that also is looking out into our world and saying, what does it mean for us as Christians to respond to this particular issue? And I want to pay attention to the issue of mental illness today. It's Mental Health Awareness Month, and it's a conversation that's going on nationally, has been for some time, but also in the church. And I want to look at this issue as somebody who's first and foremost a Christian, committed to what God's Word says about it. I also want to look at someone who's been working in the mental health field for the past 13 years, and I've known a lot of people who struggle with mental illness. And I want to be able to speak into and honor their experiences as we think about how we're supposed to respond as a church. Now, it's easy when you think mental illness, uh, a lot of different things can come up, because there's a lot of different terms for different things people go through. What do I mean when I say mental illness? Uh, When I say mental illness, I'm referring to this. This is a definition from the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Um, A mental illness is a condition that impacts a person's thinking, feeling, or mood, and his or her ability to relate to others and function on a daily basis. This is kind of an umbrella definition, and underneath this umbrella here are kind of the few common conditions that are referred to when we talk about mental illness. Major depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, OCD, borderline personality disorder, PTSD. Those are some of the different terms. Now, you might be reading that and thinking, well, I don't deal with that, so why do I got to sit here on a Sunday when I was supposed to be encouraged on Mother's Day thinking about mental illness, of all things? Well, even if you don't have a mental illness, there's a really good chance you know someone who does. Uh, Current statistics say that one in four people in America have a mental illness. Now, whether that's exactly true or not, if it's even close to being a reality, it's something we as Christians who were called to engage our world have to think about and take seriously. And it's not just something we can say, well, people with mental illness, I know who they are. They, they fit a certain picture of people in society. I know who those people are. Facts are people with mental illness can come from a variety of backgrounds, contexts, lifestyles. So um, just I'm going to survey a few movies about mental illness from the past 20 years just to show you the diversity of experience. Each of these movies is about a real-life story. You may remember the beautiful, A Beautiful Mind, right? This was about um, Nobel-winning mathematician out of Princeton, John Nash, who uh, was impacted by mental illness. And it caused him to have to uh, struggle in a number of ways with his profession. At the other end of the spectrum, you had in 2009 the movie The Soloist about Nathaniel Ayers. He was a man who was Juilliard trained as a musician, 
But after dealing with some serious bouts of mental illness, it impacted him to such an extent that he became homeless on the streets of Los Angeles. Going back, dating some of us, 1999, remember this movie, Girl Interrupted with Monona Ryder. This was about Susan Keynes, who was a, uh, who is a author, but who during an earlier phase of her life was uh, spent time in a psychiatric hospital. These are all sorts of different aspects and lifestyles of people who have mental illness. But it's important, as I mentioned earlier, to remember this isn't just something that impacts people outside the church. It's something that impacts people in the church as well. This became really evident a couple years ago when very well-known pastor Rick Warren had a son, Matthew Warren, who had been dealing with bipolar disorder for many years and ultimately took his life two years ago. And this led to the Warrens really being champions of how the church can do a better job, reaching out to people around the area of mental health. Conferences have been done. Blogs have been started. A lot of conversations going on in the church. But it's not just an issue even in the broader church. It's an issue here for us at Grace Community Church. I know some of you who have mental illness. I know some of you who have family members with a mental illness. I know some of you who have friends uh, with a mental illness or who work uh, with people who have mental illness. We can't afford to not take this seriously as a subject that we need to respond to as a church if we're going to be a light in the world, as Christ said we were supposed to be. So how should the church respond to this reality of mental illness? Well, the second you ask that question, a lot of disagreement starts to happen because you have people, both believers and unbelievers, who think the church shouldn't be dealing with this sort of a topic. There are unbelievers who would say, Um, they're not all unbelievers. There's some unbelievers who would say, this is purely a biological issue. Why are you as a church even talking about this? There's nothing for you to speak into. This is for the professionals. Then you have Christians, some of whom would say, this isn't even real. This is an invention of, you know, a culture of psychology over the last 150 years. We don't need to be dealing with topics like mental illness. So given all that disagreement, how do we respond to this reality in our world, in the broader church, here at Grace. That's what I want to look at today, and I want to look at Matthew 9. We're going to be in verses 35 through 38 to look at this topic. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. The context of this to- of uh, Matthew 9, 35 to 38 is that we've seen Jesus in specific instances healing people, dealing with all sorts of different types of people who are struggling in different ways. But what happens here in these verses is you kind of step back for a moment and are able to be given a broader snapshot of Jesus's ministry and what his approach is to people. So let's go through verses 35 through 38, see how this works. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, this is not a passage that deals specifically with mental illness. Um, But it is a passage that I believe gives us a paradigm of how Jesus responded to different people with physical illnesses. And I believe if we look at this passage and we take it seriously, as we walk through it, this is what we're going to see, I believe. 
that the church can play a key role in the lives of people with mental illness. Say that again, because this is the big idea I want to get across today. The church can play a key role in the lives of those with mental illness, and it can do so if it, if it reflects Jesus' approach to be, in our response, holistic, compassionate, and missional. I want to look at the way Jesus is holistic, compassionate, and missional in this passage this morning to give us an idea of how we can respond better as Christians, as Christ followers, to people with mental illness. First, what do I mean by holistic? Well, let's walk through this first verse. Again, verse 35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Holistic basically means you're paying attention to the whole person. This is what Jesus was doing here. Notice, these are people with sicknesses and diseases. Jesus doesn't just pay attention to their physical needs. He doesn't just pay attention to their spiritual needs. He pays attention to both. What was he doing with their sickness and disease? He was taking it seriously. He was healing it. But he wasn't just saying all you are is a physical uh, need. You're also people who need to hear about the kingdom of God. He was proclaiming the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God in our world, and the rule and reign of God available to all people through faith in him. Jesus was paying attention to both. And I believe if we are to have an impact in the lives of people with mental illness, we need to do both. So what does that look like, to pay attention to both physical and spiritual needs? The first, in paying attention to physical needs and responding adequately, I think the first thing we need to do is recognize the reality of mental illness. This is easier said than done. As I mentioned, a lot of Christians, when they hear mental illness, they think, give me a break. This is sin in your life that you're not willing to acknowledge, or this is demonic possession. You see both of those realities in the scripture. Well, I believe sin is a reality for all people, whether you have a mental illness or not. And I believe that Satan is a real being that is active in our world today. But I also believe that scripture, while using both of those categories, sin and demonic possession, also refers to another category, and that's the category of mental illness. Now, Mental illness, this phrase you're not going to see in the Bible. This is a modern term that we use. But there are other terms that have become stigmatizing now, but during the time that the scriptures were written were terms that were used for this sort of reality. Terms like uh, someone who is mad. Terms like someone who is insane. And you see some of these in scripture. If you go to 1 Samuel 1, you'll see David feigning a sort of mental illness in order to escape capture. You see in Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember, was punished. Uh, actually with a form of mental illness. Jesus, because of his kind of extreme statements uh, and behaviors, as they considered it, uh, believed he was, quote, out of his mind. Both his family thought this and religious leaders thought this. You also have in the book of Acts, Festus concluding in a conversation with Paul based on some of the things he was saying, that he was, quote, mad, you know, out of his mind. You even notice, if you think, kind of closely about it. The person who wrote the book of Acts is Luke. Luke was a physician. Luke was a physician who took sin seriously, who took seriously physical illnesses, who took seriously demonic possession, but was still able to understand this separate category of someone who had a different experience, someone who had a mental illness. Now, why am I going on about this? It's important to acknowledge this reality, even in scripture, because if we don't acknowledge this reality in our church, what you have happened, many churches, is people don't talk about the struggles they're going through. They don't feel safe to tell you, to share it as a prayer request in life group, 
because they feel like you're going to look at them weird. You're going to think there's something sinfully wrong with them if they were to share this. If we present, if we have a place where people can actually speak about their struggles with this, then you're going to have a place where people can talk about it and get the help they can benefit from with this real physical reality. Whether that help is talking to a counselor, talking to a therapist, even medication. And this is something that a lot of people aren't able to get help in these areas if they're Christians and they're in the church. For example, a recent um, study was done, a survey of people who have mental illness in the church, and they said that 25% of them said their church told them, do not take medication. Because they believed, you know, that, that it, was not, it was something that uh, you didn't need a medication for. Medication isn't appropriate for you as a Christian. Another study said 67% of evangelical Christians believe that mental illness can be cured by prayer alone. Now, I think anything can be cured by prayer alone. We have a sovereign God who can do whatever a sovereign God wants to do. But we typically don't tell people with diabetes not to take your insulin. There are Christians who probably do do that. We at Grace don't tell um, people with diabetes not to take their insulin. Are we going to tell people with mental illness, by no way, shape, or form, should you ever take any sort of medication? We want to take the physical needs of people seriously, I believe, if we're going to be holistic in our response like Jesus. At the same time, if we're going to be holistic, we need to take Seriously, the spiritual needs of people. Having a mental illness does not mean you don't sin. Having a mental illness does not mean you don't need to be reconciled to a holy God. You don't need to be forgiven, restored, and given new life by the Holy Spirit. There is no medication that I have come upon yet that will take care of sin and will reconcile us to God. It can't do that. Only a relationship with Jesus can do that. We need to have this mindset because we need to understand we as a church can play a key role in helping people in a way that no, you know, I work in the mental health system. The mental health system doesn't do great at helping people to learn about Jesus and reconcile to God. We as a church can help all people, including people with mental illness, in this core way. And what I found in talking with people with mental illness is in addition to that act of sharing the gospel and bringing them into a relationship with Christ, actually people have said a lot of times their faith is a source of strength for them in even managing their mental health. Here's just one example of a number I could give you. I've had multiple men struggling with depression. When I say depression, we all struggle with depression at times. This is debilitating depression. This is can't get out of bed in the morning, go to work depression. Have said to me, the last thing I want to do is go to church on a Sunday morning when I'm really in a difficult place. last thing I want to do is go to life group. But when I go, I realize it's the thing I needed most because isolation is one of the worst things for me in my struggle with depression. But when I'm actually with people, specifically as a Christian with God's people, it helps. It helps me be able to manage the depression I'm going through. So there are real spiritual needs people have that the church can speak into. So the first thing I want to just, again, state is that if we're going to be able to play a key role in the lives of people with mental illness, We need to be responding to people holistically as Jesus did, taking into account real physical needs, but also their spiritual needs as well. The second thing I believe we need to do if we're going to play this key role is we need to be compassionate. Why do I say that? Well, because of verse 36. Read with me again, verse 36. Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
I find this amazing that Jesus showed compassion. And we may think, well, why? Jesus is compassionate. We all know that. If Jesus is who he said he was, if Jesus is God, and he really knew of the reality of all the sin in the lives of the people who were in this crowd, if I were him, I would be thinking, you made your own bed. You got to lie in it. Like, there's a lot you've done here to bring this, these problems upon yourself. But he didn't. He, even though he knew that there was real sin in people's lives, he looked on them with compassion. He recognized them as people who were harassed, who were without adequate help. Now, this phrase, harassed and helpless, or harassed and without help, is a phrase that I think is a really good one to describe the experience of a lot of people with mental illness. And there's two different types of harassment that I've seen people go through. Internal and external harassment. Internal harassment, because depending on what your struggle is, you may have internally voices that you hear. In Montgomery County, there's a whole hearing voices network of people in our area who struggle with hearing voices that are unwanted. You may struggle internally with compulsions that help you manage anxiety and you don't know how else to deal with things other than to obsessively do different behaviors. Internally, you may struggle with depression at thinking thoughts about yourself that you're unwanted, that no one cares about you. All these thoughts that keep coming back to people. Well, this internal harassment can also often lead to external harassment because stigma starts. When someone with a mental illness maybe acts in a certain way that's different, that seems to be extreme, what do people do? Even in the church, we start to keep our distance from people. Maybe we make jokes inside, you know, behind closed doors about people. We use terms like crazy about people. And that's another form of harassment that people experience. And it leads to this third reality that Jesus spoke about of being without help, helpless. A lot of times, if we see people acting in ways that we don't feel comfortable with, and we keep a distance, people aren't able to get the help they need. People aren't able to get the community they need. So it's so important that we see people with compassion, and that we see people in that way in order to be able to help them in light of these experiences of being harassed and helpless. I saw this firsthand in one experience um, I had with a local church. Because of my role at Access, I was asked to come out to a church because they didn't know what to do. There was a person whom they knew had a mental illness because the family told them. He was an adult man who looked different, who was walking around the children's wing of their church. As you can imagine, those of you who know me, I'd feel really like upset about that as well. What's going on? What's this person doing? Why are they hanging out over there? Well, it turned out as people kind of talked with him a little bit more, because no one was talking with him, it turned out he wasn't just walking around the children's wing. He was walking all around the building. No one knew him. Even though he'd been going to the church for years, no one ever befriended him. So a person was identified who had a real heart for people, kind of a mercy ministry gifting. They got to know him. He sat with them in the service, connected with other people, and there was no more problem. He didn't want to be on the children's wing. He just wanted to have someone he could talk to. And that was because this person just had the compassion to say, I want to go invest in this person's life. You may may remember a few years ago, um, I got permission to share this story, but it was in a video that was showed here at Grace. Um, Tony Kolovecki, who's somebody who is a member here at Grace, he told his story about the way this church really opened up its arms to him, and he shares in the video, that he struggled with bipolar disorder. And something he said at the end of the video, he says, I have never felt accepted in my whole life anywhere as much as at Grace Community Church. It's an amazing statement. That's what can happen when people show compassion instead of keeping their distance to somebody. So what can we do? 
for people we can show compassion as well as being holistic. And I, I want to show a brief video, it's just two minutes, of a person who has a mental illness and who shares as a Christian about what his experiences has been in the church as someone with a mental illness. And my hope is through seeing this, it can build this sense of compassion in us for people who are going through this. Imagine a church where a person struggling with depression doesn't have to whisper when they tell their story. Where a person experiencing psychosis or crippling anxiety feels support rather than shame. Where their friends are not only aware of their pain, but they show up with food. They're willing to sit with them, willing to lighten their load. One in four people lives with a mental illness. That means that in a church of 200 people, 50 of them are living with depression or bipolar or schizophrenia or OCD or PTSD or anxiety disorder. We don't hear a lot about mental illness in our churches. Unfortunately, that's not because it doesn't exist. It's because people don't feel safe sharing their stories because they believe that the only place they'll find the non-judgmental support they need is from a professional. When I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I experienced distancing and silence from those within my church. I felt like people were pulling away. And I realized then that people rarely know how to respond to mental illness. If you're diagnosed with cancer or you have a broken leg, there will undoubtedly be people from your church at your door, ready to support you, bring you a meal, or just sit with you. But when it comes to something like depression, bipolar, or schizophrenia, the church struggles to be a community of embrace and most people within our churches are not mental health professionals, and so they feel overwhelmed and underqualified. To begin to change our response to mental illness, we don't all have to become mental health professionals, but we do need to start taking some intentional steps to learn how to become a community of embrace and healing. So I think Adam's story really hits you again on the fact that it's so important that we simply show compassion and show a willingness to reach out and provide a safe space for people to be able to speak about what they're going through. And I believe if we can do that, again, the church can play a very key role in the lives of people with mental illness. So we want to be holistic. We want to be compassionate. We also want, if we're going to follow Christ's example, to be missional. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at the last two verses of this passage we're going through. Verses 37 and 38. It said, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I really appreciate that when Jesus shows compassion, it's not just a feeling that doesn't go anywhere. You know, I feel at times compassion for something. And then I turn off the television and don't think about it again. For Jesus, his compassion leads to action. He sees that there are people who are harassed and helpless with various sorts of sickness and diseases and a need to know about the kingdom of God. 
And it leads him to tell his disciples, there's a great need out there. I need you, therefore, to be praying that God would send out more workers out into the world so that more people can get the help they need, so that more people can come to know God. As he does that, and as he calls for us to do that, he's, he's kind of using this imagery of a field of harvest, whereas a worker would go out in this field of harvest and he would reap from the harvest. And the same time, there's many people out there who have a need and who Jesus just recognized in his great compassion have nobody meeting them where they are, have nobody out there letting them know about Christ. And today, again, this passage applies to many different sorts of people. But today we're looking at how can this passage help inform our perspective of people with mental illness. And unfortunately, um, we have a hard time in our mission to people with mental illness. Being missional, the reason I use that term is simply because to be missional is to take part in God's mission, to go out beyond ourselves to where people are. Versus another term that could be used at times on the opposite end is to be attractional. Basically, missional versus attractional means attractional, which is important, is basically just to say, we want to attract people to come to Grace Community Church. We want people to come here, and through coming here, come to know Christ. That's great. I want people coming here. Being missional, being part of God's mission says, we're not content with just being here and attracting people to our Sunday services. We're going to go out beyond our walls to where people are. And there's two things that make it really difficult for a lot of people in the church to be missional when it comes to those with mental illness. The first is the tyranny of, of the urgent. The tyranny of the urgent. I, I had called a few years ago around to some different local churches to find out what churches were willing to be places that helped. If I were to call them and say, hey, there's a person in your community who has a mental illness or who has an intellectual disability, I need to know if you're the type of church that's willing for me to call you and you maybe give the person a ride, reach out to the person, befriend the person. One particular pastor said, I don't think that's us. You know, we've got a lot going on in our church. There's a lot of different needs, and we actually don't have anybody in our church that meets that definition. I'm like, you don't have anybody in your church because of how you're answering this question right now. Or you do have people in this church, and no one's talking about it. The tyranny of the urgent, all the different things that we do that are important things here in the life of the church, can sometimes keep us from stepping out, out of our comfort zones, maybe in a conversation with a coworker, conversation with neighbors, where we can be part of God's mission. This is really important that we overcome this, because there's a lot of opportunities for us as a church. Right now in Montgomery County, in the mental health system, there's something going on that's called a residential transformation. And what it means is people are no longer content in the mental health system with just saying, People with mental illness, people with significant mental illness, severe mental illness who can't hold down jobs, who can't up to this point, um, you know, uh, live on their own. They're not okay with people just staying in group homes. They need help to move out onto their own. And therefore, we have a lot of people who are trying to move out onto their own in roommates, living in Lansdale, living in Sarton, living in Hatfield. Problem is they're very isolated. They don't know anybody. What a great opportunity for us as a church to reach out and say, we want to be people, to go to the, what if we went to these group homes and said, we want to be the types of people that if you have someone moving out who doesn't know anyone, let us know. We'll bring them a welcome basket to let them know they're in our area and we want to be helpful any way we can. We'll invite them out for some coffee for breakfast. This is happening in our backyard and we could do this. It's important that the tyranny of the urgent that we're going, that's happening here in our church, that's important. Not overwhelm us to be able to take part in these missional opportunities. 
The second thing that can sometimes keep us from being missional is our own sense of inadequacy. It can be very overwhelming to think of having a conversation with someone when they're experiencing a mental health crisis. Or even more so, what if a person's thinking about taking their own life? It's very daunting. We don't want to mess those conversations up. We don't want to make things worse. So we don't know what to do. But if you want to get help in being a person who's equipped to be able to have those sorts of conversations, there's trainings out there that can help you talk to someone with thoughts of suicide. There's trainings out there that can help you be able to respond to someone who's experiencing a mental illness. And I just want to let you know, here's a few names of people in our church who happen to work in the mental health field. If you're looking for help with saying, how do I reach out? How do I care better? These are people you can talk to who can tell you about how you can get that sort of help. I believe if we do this, if we can be missional in this way. We're basically just following Jesus' example. I mean, think about what he did. He left heaven to come to earth, meet people where they are, people who were suffering, in order to bring them back to God. Through the good news that he suffered for them, he died for them, he took their sin from them, and have given them a relationship with him. By us leaving the comfort zone of just our own internal church world to enter into the suffering of the world in order that they may, not, may come to know Christ, they may be able to experience forgiveness of sins, they may be able to experience a new life with the God who made them. That's just echoing the example that Jesus has given us. So what I want to leave you with today is just the importance and the encouragement of us reaching out to people who experience mental illness both in our church and outside our church. And if we do so, if we can be holistic, physical and spiritual needs, if we can be compassionate rather than distancing ourselves, if we can be missional instead of just focusing on the tyranny of the urgent, we can play a very important role and make a difference that few churches are making with people who are experiencing this sort of reality in their life. Would you pray with me? Lord, we want to have the heart for people that you have for us and that you have for, for others. You look at this world and you experience compassion. You see people as both sinners and people who are asked and helpless and who need a relationship with you and who need the love of your people. We want to be about that. Show us how we can do it. Each of us individually, it may look different. Give us open doors to be able to do this. And help us along the way to have a greater desire for your mission. That all people, whether they have a mental illness or whether they're struggling in some other sort of way, would come to know you, their God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.